So I'm, I'm already recording, so... Um, cool. Is this okay? Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, Walrus here. Welcome to Berlinology. And tell me why, what you're doing here right now. Okay, so I'm here for my first appointment with the Staatsangehörigkeitsamt. And I'm standing at a Citizens Bureau in Berlin-Kreuzberg with a man called David Sumner. And he's about to start off his application process to become a fancy schmancy German citizen. Now he's really excited. He uh, has got a bunch of papers with him and he's just beaming with confidence. What do you think are they going to ask you? I, I, I'm hoping that they just tell me how good my chances are. Um, they will probably ask me why do you want to, to become German, like why now and so forth. Um, I'm not going to start with the whole Brexit thing first. I'm going to maybe say to them, like, look, I lived in Berlin now for four or seven years. Um. People of the world, in this episode we're talking about Brexit. And we won't go over the whole debate again, why in or out of the European Union. Today's Berlinology episode is about the impact Brexit has had on Brits abroad. Now, over the past two years, I've taken a close interest in these Brits, many of whom I call my friends. And when I think back at the time of the Brexit referendum, there's actually two things that stand out for me. First, there is the immense sadness with which my friends were overcome the day after the Brexit results were announced. Here's uh, Georgia Ryungu, for example, explaining how she experienced the results coming in. But yeah, it was a horrible kind of feeling. It was a very, yeah, definitely one of sadness. And I had made a plan. I had the next day off because uh, we'd all booked the next day off so we could watch the results, stay up all night, have a party, whatever. And obviously it didn't go the way that we'd hoped. So there were these uh, evenings organized all over Berlin where people could come together and follow the live results. And the next day, of course, was the big hangover. It's when I met most of my British friends and sort of got a grasp of the impact that the result has had. Yeah, we kind of sat in the sun. It was a nice day. <laughs> we spent it in good company and it was nice to be with friends and everything. But it was also sad like i remember that day now, the day after the referendum we also had this guide meeting i met up with a whole bunch of my tour guiding friends uh, we do these meetups like once a month and they're normally actually quite jolly occasions but the uh, atmosphere on this one was uh, a little bit different it was pretty hopeless i don't think i can't remember anyone being remotely uh, positive or idealistic or optimistic in any way i think we all pretty much felt like we'd been fucked and there was really no way back. I remember pretty much en masse everyone saying that they were going to apply for German citizenship. That seemed to be a given uh, during the discussions that night. I've got a feeling, not just my personal feelings, but other people's feelings have changed a little bit over the years in that they'd, they'd like to see Britain fixed in some way, uh, see that mistake be, be in some way changed. but. Um, I don't think any of us intend to live there anytime soon again, if ever. Now, it might not come as a complete surprise that the outcome of the Brexit referendum came as a devastating blow to the Brits living outside of the UK. But the other thing that clearly stood out for me is the way these Brits have been dealing with the limbo they're in right now. Two years after the referendum, we still have no clear idea what's going to happen to the million British citizens that are living somewhere in the European Union. Nor do we know exactly what will happen to the 3.7 million Europeans that are currently living in the UK. But um, yeah, I will go in now and I'll go and see how it goes. And then um, I think it should take about 15, 20 minutes or so. And then I'll tell you how it went. Good luck. Cool. Thank you very much. 
We are approaching one of the biggest decisions this country will face in our lifetimes, whether to remain in a reformed European Union or to leave. I approach this decision in the way I approach other important decisions. Look at the facts uh, and uh, come to a view. And when I put all that together, when I think about the potential risk to jobs, the uncertainties for our economy if we were to leave the European Union, when I think it about... It is absurd though, that we are told that you cannot have, but you cannot sell bananas in bunches of more than two or three bananas. You cannot, you cannot sell bananas with abnormal curvature of the fingers. Why should they tell us? Why should they tell us how powerful our vacuum cleaners should be? Why should they tell us how powerful our hair dryers should be? This is not a matter for an international, supranational body to dictate to the British people. Europe needs to change, but that change can only come from working with our allies in the European Union to achieve it. Britain needs to stay in the EU as the best framework for trade, manufacturing and cooperation in the 21st century. The easiest thing for us to do on the Brexit camp is just to talk about the net figure. And the net figure is £34 million every single day, £10 billion a year. And I say that is too much and we should spend that money here in our own country on our own people. You will decide through an in-out referendum on Thursday the 23rd of June. The choice is in your hands. Well, at 20 minutes to five, we can now say the decision taken in 1975 by this country to join the common market has been reversed by this referendum uh, to leave the EU. This, we are absolutely clear now that there is no way that the Remain side can win. It looks as though the gap's going to be something like 52 to 48, so a four-point lead for leaving the EU. And that's the uh, result of this referendum, which has been preceded by weeks and months of argument and dispute and all the rest of it. The British people have spoken, and the answer is, we're out. 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 The negotiations have started, and they, uh, they haven't collapsed yet. So. Hey guys, so I've transported you in time. It's a year after the referendum, June 2017. And we're in this uh, dusky bar somewhere near the Meeringdam in Berlin. In a situation where the EU27 have said they only want to talk about three things, um, which are um, money, island and citizens. And the reason they only want to talk about those three things is because those are the only three things that they agree on amongst themselves. Gathered in the large open space are about 70 people. They're sitting on chairs and sofas and they're closely listening to the panel seated on the stage in front of them. So I'd just like to add to that um, and slightly change the order of those three priorities in the negotiations because actually citizens are the first priority in the negotiations. Michel Barnier of the European Commission has said quite clearly citizens are first. We're at a Brexit information evening for British citizens. There's about 15,000 of them living in Berlin and a bunch of them have decided to come down to this pub tonight. Um, so we've got to the point where the Commission and the EU and the EU 27 have, give, have put out their um, proposal for EU citizens in the UK and UK citizens in the EU post-Brexit, how they should be treated. Last year, the negotiations weren't really going anywhere yet, as you could hear from the comment that the negotiations haven't collapsed yet, and that is something to be really excited about. But the people gathered here tonight were not really here 
to get informed about the political status of the negotiations. Most Brits actually had come to talk about something else. Okay, so any, any immediate questions? Otherwise we'll move on to citizenship. The Brits gathered here wanted to know about obtaining German citizenship. Now you'll be hearing Tia Robinson speaking. She's the founder of Expath, and that's an uh, organization that helps people navigate German bureaucracy. And she's talking about the first step you need to take, namely making an appointment with your local citizens bureau. By the way, I apologize for the audio. It's just this bit at the beginning that's a bit sketchy. So the best thing you can do is go on the Berlin.de website and make an appointment for yourself. You can book that online. And they really want to meet you in person. You really have to go in what you're doing in Germany. They seriously want to just have a chit-chat with you. Um, and they will create a unique checklist of things that you personally have to show them or bring them based on your situation. Generally speaking, what you need is um, eight years of living in Germany. That is also seven years if you've done an Integrations course or can show that you have B2 German. If you have special integration considerations, you've can show some incredibly important contribution to the German language or something like that. It can even be six years in special cases. And if you're married to a German citizen, it can be as low as three years. I'm looking around and I'm seeing people scribbling heavily in their notepads. I'm kind of stunned by the pragmatism that goes around here. I mean, this is clearly not about the philosophy or whether it's good to become a citizen of another country, yes or no. This is about people who have made up their minds and want to set about doing something. I think that right after the Brexit referendum, a lot of people were still considering the possibility that Brexit might be revoked, that politicians maybe would come to their senses or that the British people might take onto the streets to withdraw the results. But after March 2017, that reality seemed far, far away. So here it is. Six pages. The notification from Prime Minister Theresa May triggering Article 50. This is uh, Donald Tusk, he's the President of the European Council. And formally starting the negotiations of the United Kingdom's withdrawal from the European Union. And so Article 50 triggered the actual withdrawal of Britain from the EU. It is the referendum's outcome put into black and white. There is no reason to, to pretend that this is a happy day, neither in Brussels nor in London. No, there is not. But this definitive act would also lead some Brits to do some extraordinary things. My name is John Worth. Um, I'm still a British citizen. Um, I have only a British passport. Um, I've been living in Berlin for just over four years. I'm a self-employed communications consultant and political expert. That is John Worth. And then there's also... My name is Daniel Tetlow. And I'm the co-founder of British in Germany. Now, John has been a longtime political consultant for both British and German political parties. Daniel has been an acclaimed documentarian for the BBC, and both of them are living in Berlin. And we're all feeling a little bit uh, jittery about the changes that Brexit potentially is going to bring on us all. But as I mentioned, this jittering will spark some life into the British bodies abroad. And John set up a, uh, a pre-referendum meeting for Brits looking at um, basically what would happen if Brexit happened or if it didn't happen to, to Brits 
on the continent. So we 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 organised a room. Uh, we reserved a room in a pub uh, for 20 people, put it out on Facebook, and within a week we were 120 people who'd signed up. John wanted to know what British people in Berlin were thinking about the upcoming Brexit ordeal. Did any of them, for example, even know how to vote, living as a British abroad? And so we realised then that there was a lot of kind of interest in having some kind of organization of Brits. Um, and the, there were a lot of Brits who were kind of politically active um, in Berlin, but also across Europe. So we thought whatever happens, we should stay in touch and we should think about perhaps organizing ourselves a bit better because there's never really been a need or even never been an organization of um, British people across Europe. The, the irony is that in a way the Brexit um, vote brought British people on the continent together for the first time in a way that they've never been organized before. Daniel, John and a bunch of others set to work. Brexit was happening and even though they didn't agree with its outcome, they were going to at least try and get some decent representation going. People from all walks of life started to pour their free time into getting an organization of the ground And the main task of all this hard labor? We are campaigning for citizenship rights. The rights of British citizens living in Europe. Moreover, to have these citizens' rights ring-fenced within the current negotiations. So when something goes wrong with fishing or, or, you know, negotiations with fishing or with whatever, with the common agricultural policy, they can't use the citizenship thing as a, uh, you know, as, as a bargaining chip. Daniel and his campaign wanted to make sure that the British people that are currently living abroad would be granted the same rights as they're having now. And that is easier said than done. European citizens, they share a great many perks like freedom of movement, being able to work wherever you want, universal recognition of university and other degrees, a pension that can be transferred from country to country, and of course, dual citizenship between members of the EU. What we're trying to do as an organization is really go into that detail, give human examples from our members of people in these situations and show therefore what the better outcome would be to 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 maintain the rights fundamentally that the people um, that british people have and the eu citizens had before brexit for that for those rights to continue now daniel and his merry crew are slaving away trying to navigate european and british legislation they're lobbying they're writing politicians while all at the same time in other parts of europe Brits are doing the same thing. All little groups of British citizens living in another country trying to tackle the uncertainty of Brexit, all trying in their own way to influence the political process and therefore their foreign existence. And that then rolled um, into realizing that we weren't necessarily the best representatives of Brits in the whole continent and that we should make sure we got a cross-section of Brits from every, you know, from Spain to Romania, down to Italy, up to wherever, Sweden, Stockholm. Um, and we got a nice mix of, of British people from all these different backgrounds and from different groups. And that then caused the kind of the beginnings of British in Europe, which is now this, the biggest coalition of British citizens across the whole of Europe. And eventually all that letter writing, the legal research and the countless of evenings brainstorming together was paying off. The organization British in Europe was coming up with a plan. Um, Jane Golding, who's the chair of British in Germany, put together a paper um, on the situation of British citizens in, in Europe. And that caused 
that got us an invite um, to give evidence at the exiting the EU Select Committee of the House of Commons. Which would only prove the starting point. Here's Jane Golding, for example, making her case in the Committee of Institutional Affairs at the European Parliament. Okay. Um, so I'll introduce myself. I'm Jane Golding. I'm the chair of British in Europe. And for those of you who don't know us, British in Europe is a coalition of 10 core groups of UK citizens um, living in the EU 27 with a membership of around 35,000 people. That's right, 35,000 members. And not only that, British in Europe is working closely with the 3 million group. That's the organization that is representing the estimated 3 million Europeans that are currently living in the UK. Brexit is not something we ever wanted. And the majority of British in Europe, as well as the 3 million, had no vote in the referendum. We, rec we estimate over 60% even of the British in Europe did not have the right to vote. So Jane Golding is referring here to the 60% of the electorate living abroad that had no influence on this decision. Those are British kids that are living abroad, so under 18. But also there's this law that says that if you're living abroad for longer than 15 years, you lose your voting rights. Now, after having made some rather technical observations on the current negotiations, Golding makes this heartfelt plea to not forget on the EU's core identity, to protect the rights of its citizens. As I said, we are children of the European project, a project at its heart of peace, solidarity and cooperation, a social project. That is what my British father, who aged 20, was at Belsen two days after its liberation, and my German father-in-law, who aged 16, survived the bombing of Dresden, hoped for, for their children and for their grandchildren. We are the citizens who have seized all the opportunities that EU citizenship and the fundamental freedoms have given us and taken them far beyond what the founding fathers dreamt of. If you disappoint us now, you quash our hopes and dreams and those of EU citizens in the future by sending a clear message that embracing EU citizenship is a risk. It can be taken away from you and you can be penalised for embracing it. EU citizenship is our fundamental status and it should protect us now in this unprecedented situation. And if not now, when? Because we're an island and because of the history of the UK, there has been a sense that we've always kind of somehow had different identity, had different status to the rest of Europe, which sometimes has and hasn't been true. Um, and we now feel even more um, that we want to live in the 21st century as Brits and not in the 19th century as Brits. And that reality means that we prefer to work together with our neighbours and with people that have become our friends or family or colleagues or whatever it is. And we're having a squeamy little break. Later we'll be back in Berlin again. There's a whole bunch of people for whom the negotiations and the lobbying of British in Europe is actually not going fast enough. For some of them, there's only one other option. I think that, you, that citizenship in, in a globalized world is a complicated and mixed up thing. And of course, we'll be getting back to David Sumner and his application process. Will he actually become a German citizen? Yes. Um, I walked into the, um, I got there at half past seven in the morning. I was the first one in there. I had an, had, had an, had an appointment even. I brought everything there. Um, I had a copy of my passport and they said, oh, that's nice, but where's your original passport? 
And I said, well, I don't have it on. I don't carry my passport around. All of, and they go, well, we can't prove who you are. Hola compadres, I wanted to do a tiny bit of housekeeping. I know I haven't been on a regular schedule for a while. And as it looks right now, it's not really going to be happening um, from this moment onwards anyway. Uh, I think that the topics that I'm interested in uh, have changed significantly over the past few years. It also requires a bunch more research and unexpected events to tackle. Um, sometimes I need to interview people over several months. Or in this case, this episode, it took about a year and a half to make. And I genuinely love making the show and will keep planning to do so. But unfortunately, I just cannot promise it to be any more regular. Although you might have seen a couple of stylistic changes and above all a brand new website. It's called berlinology.org. You can have a look around. Everything is neatly packed together there. And that's basically it. I've got much more of this British monster to tell you. So let's get on with it, shall we? In the beginning of this show, we were at this Brexit information evening, which was mostly about how to obtain German citizenship. So let's see if we can manage to talk to some of the audience members. Can I ask you a couple questions about um, the evening tonight? Uh, maybe both of you um, can tell me who you are and why you're actually here tonight. Yeah, okay. Um, my name is Bruce. Uh, I moved here from England a little over a year ago because I, I saw the storm clouds gathering. Uh, Brexit pisses me off like nothing else. Um, I see it as a travesty of democracy and, uh, and communication between politicians and the masses. So yeah, I'm just here trying to, I don't know, uh, push the needle from the other side. And, uh, and hopefully I really admire what Jane Golding's doing, uh, what British, in Germany, British people in Germany are doing. Yeah, I would just like to see a more effective grassroots communication. So I just came to make connections and foster some grassroots communication. <laughs> so my name is Zoe Noble. Um, I'm here today because I'm a Brit living in Berlin now for six years. Um, my husband and I, we are wanting to become German citizens and we need to know what the process involved and tonight was an awesome way to learn about the process. So why would you want to become a German citizen? Because we really believe in free movement in Europe and um, what happened <laughs> with our country and Brexit um, really disappointed us. And I think both of us feel we don't want to be a part of a country that wants to shut its borders and, you know, maybe kick people out. And we want to be a part of Europe and we'll do whatever we can to stay a part of it. Sure. I'm uh, James Glazebrook. Um, I am here tonight because well quite selfishly I want to stay in Berlin for as long as possible um, and I've been in Germany for like six and a half years so I think it's time to start looking at this stuff thinking about citizenship I, I think um, citizenship is a really weird kind of concept to me like I don't feel I never really felt like I belonged in the UK and when I left I kind of I don't know I'm like a I feel European um, but that's quite a broad category so so basically I'll never I'll never feel German um, and German citizenship is is just kind of like a, a stamp for me to say I can live here this evening was about getting some experts in front of an audience uh, maybe they're self-defined experts maybe British people don't like experts anymore right 
um, but getting information, good information out there for uh, yeah, British people on how to become uh, a German citizen and whether or not that will solve their problems, whether or not that will allow them to stay here, to work here, whether or not they'll be able to have uh, dual citizenship or they'll have to give up German citizenship and you know, what the implications of that are, uh, not just regarding Brexit, but yeah, for the rest of our lives. And then there is, of course, David Sumner. So my name is David Sumner. I'm from a small town called Brixham in Devon, in southwest England. I'm 27 and I've been living in Berlin since 2010. I met David during a podcast meetup where he confided to me that he was probably going to try and become a German. Sure. So um, I've taken the decision to go for German citizenship. Um, I took the decision shortly after the Brexit referendum. Um, but I do think it would have been a decision I would have taken regardless. I've, been, I've, I've lived in Germany now for seven years. Um, I have always had that frustration of paying my taxes here but not being able to actually vote here. Um, I studied politics, so if I ever had wished to enter politics or become a civil servant, I would have needed German nationality for that as well. Um, and the third reason would have been, of course, working in a large startup here in Berlin where I speak English every, every day is very easy to be an expat and not integrate. But I was never really satisfied with that. I want to feel more at home here. Um, I have made Berlin my my home. Um, I've spent, well, seven years here now. You know, that's the majority of my adult life has been spent in Germany. And at some point I have a German partner, my, my German girlfriend. I would love to, you know, commit more to Germany in that sense. And so David is going Deutsch. But before he can sport his new German jacket, David needs to get into shape. There is a bureaucracy to be tackled, and it all starts with a little schmooze. So the best thing you can do is go on the berlin.de website and make an appointment for yourself. You can book that online. When we left David for the last time, he was just about to go in for that meeting. And I met with him right after to see how it went. I walked in, kind of shook her hand and said, Hi, my name's David. I'm British and I would like to apply for German citizenship. In German? In German, yeah, yeah, yeah all, in, um, all in German. And um, she, you know, immediately starts getting her, her files out and, uh, and, um, and then she seemed very, I think very, she was very keen to impress upon me that it is a very important de decision. She now, next to David, while he's telling me all of this, is standing his supporting German girlfriend. And whereas David seems almost excited by the prospect of a bureaucratic manhandling, she seems rather unimpressed. Are you, are you confident that he will succeed in doing his application? I'm very confident. I think he qualifies. He's got everything he needs. Um, he's very prepared. He was very nervous before, which is hilarious. Um, because me being German, I know the bureaucrat bureaucracy of Germany. So they always like to scare you. But I think in the end, if someone is, is fulfilling all the points they need to fulfill and is um, upright and you know, does, does his or her job properly, I think they won't, they won't put any stones into your way. So. But can you imagine that maybe the, the nervousness is not just um, filling in out the forms, but also um, maybe having to give up your own citizenship or something like this is like the, the, that, that form it said, like um, the, the imburgering, you know, that's like a, 
a proper proper thing. It's not just like I'm living in the city. It's like quite a big thing. Maybe something the nervousness has to do with that a little bit too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it is a big thing to change your citizenship, and that's I think one of the first things I said once we were out of the like. Did you understand the thing about giving up your own citizenship in the case that the negotiations are getting, you know, um, are having a turn for the worse? Um, because I can't imagine giving up my own citizenship. I can imagine getting a second one but I can't imagine giving up my own. So it's a big step. Could you, could you imagine him giving up his own citizenship? No. Um, I don't think he should. I think um, getting a second one, yes, it has advantages, but I think deep down you're, you're still who you were born as in a way. I mean, he is British, um, even though he, he already acts quite German, but he is still a Brit. I think giving up your own, if you don't necessarily have to, uh, I wouldn't do it. Now, the meeting that David had was just the start of the process. He now has to get a little library of personal documents together that he'll hand in at his next appointment. Only then will they actually consider his application. The entire process of validation can be anywhere from nine months up to a year. So nine months, that would be the beginning of 2018. Yes, uh, maybe it could be Christmas present for me to have a German citizenship, who knows? Quite understandably, and we'll get back to David a little bit later in the show. Let's talk to John Worth a little bit more, the guy that set up the information evenings and worked closely together with Daniel Tatlow to set up the British and Germany group. Now, John is a political consultant who has been living in Berlin for about four years now, which also means that he can only apply for German citizenship after Brexit has formally happened. And I consider John as one of the most well-informed people regarding EU politics. Let's do a little rapid fire round. First off, what are the actual rules to apply for German citizenship? Like, what are the requirements you need? Right, so to apply for German citizenship, there are essentially three stages in terms of how long you have to be in Germany in order to make your application. Um, the standard number of years you have to be in Germany is eight years. Um, that can be reduced to six years if you show what the Germans call a besondere Integrationsleistung, so a special effort at integration. Uh, that involves speaking a particularly good level of German or showing that you're doing kind of something for German society. And if you, your partner is uh, German, then it can be reduced to four or even three years in certain circumstances. But that doesn't apply if the two of you live somewhere other than Germany, i.e. marrying a German while in the UK is not a guaranteed way towards getting a German passport. All right, check. What else? You have to do a, um, a basic citizenship test. Um, there are 330 questions of which they select 30 odd of them for, uh, to give you. Uh, and you need to uh, get just over half of those questions right. Multiple choice test. Check. Next. You need to demonstrate a decent level of German. But again, that level of German drops if you've been here uh, um, for eight years. And what about your personal paraphernalia? And then you have to show a number of um, other pieces of documentation. Um, you need to have been employed or need to have shown that you, that you have been self-employed. And if in that circumstance, you also need to show you've been contributing to a German Krankenkasse for your, um, uh, for your um, social security. But John... What about dual citizenship? Can't you be both a British and a German citizen at the same time? The German law says anyone from an EU country or Switzerland has the right to dual nationality, at least in German law. The difficulty is, is it doesn't say the list of those countries in the EU. It just says EU countries. 
So the day that Britain is no longer an EU country, new applications for dual citizenship from British will not be allowed, i.e. you will have to demonstrate that you give up your British passport in order to get a German one. That also explains why David Sumner was a bit jittery about getting the whole process done before Britain actually leaves or even breaks off the negotiations. So what about all the Brits that are living in Berlin, but are not eligible yet for German citizenship? We have the first round Brexit deal from December, which is the only thing that we've got to show for all of the negotiations so far. And that gives British citizens rights in the country where they live, i.e., from Brexit Day, so if we take that Brexit Day will be March 2019, if you are permanently resident in Germany on that day, i.e. you have a Wohnungsanmeldung, on that day you have rights to stay in Germany. You will not get kicked out. The challenge is, is after that day, if you're in Germany and then you wanted to move to Spain, then you will be treated differently in Spain, i.e. your rights are only in the country in which you are resident on that Brexit day. So I think it's like a sort of freedom of residence, though not a freedom of movement. But I guess that if you're properly living here, like legally with a Wohnungsanmeldung, then in some way it's going to be fine. I think it's also obvious right now that the Brits who are going for citizenship are making a rather calculated choice. Or as John said, they're becoming German with their heads, not with their hearts. It's pragmatism that drives these Europeans in overcoming Brexit. Now, there is, however, something during the information evening that the panel wanted to make abundantly clear. Citizenship isn't a panacea for everything. Becoming a German citizen, and therefore a European citizen, has great advantages, though there will be lots of issues, mostly legal technicalities, that will likely take years to unravel. And one of the points we made at the very first meeting that we had with Michel Barnier at the end of March was mutual recognition of qualifications. So take, for example... Um, the, the statute under which Berlin teachers are employed. So teachers are civil servants in Germany, but aren't, or at least the senior ones. And the law that says how you become a teacher says Beamte shall be German citizens, EU citizens, and countries that have a deal with Germany. And British teachers are neither German EU citizens nor have a special deal with Germany about teaching at the moment. Berlin is not wanting to kick out its English language teachers from its schools, but Converse is got a legal problem. Now, that is the state that we're in, i.e. the German government is going, look, right, we, they're seeing this at a level of hun or uh, dozens or hundreds of practical problems just with the legal framework, before we even come to what type of Brexit Britain wants, because we're still wondering about that. Now, taking into account that these discussions might take years to complete, I asked John how he sees the future for Brits that are living in Berlin. My own personal situation is I am frustrated, I am annoyed by the situation, but I'm also simultaneously confident I'm going to be able to work out all of these problems and... That's the attitude that I would hope that most British living in Berlin would also take. And to be honest, that is also what I have seen. That is what inspired me to make this episode. I've seen the impact that Brexit had on my friends. There's this sense of powerlessness, a disconnect from society back home, and therefore a sort of 
identity crisis as well. Like, what does it mean to be British and do I still feel connected with that identity? But over the past two years, I've also seen a lot of optimism, like solidarity and activism, people organizing themselves in work groups, trying to lobby and inform politicians on the highest level. And of course, some of them are actually trying out a new coat, a jacket that fits them better in the current weather. I wanted to bring you this happy ending about David obtaining his German citizenship, but when I was editing this, he still hadn't heard back from the Bürgeramt. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to listen to another story that is of um, Esme Nicholson. Uh, Esme is a journalist. She's working for NPR in Berlin. She had been living here for 15 years when the referendum took place, and she actually applied before the results of Brexit were announced. Now, it took her about six months to get the whole thing done. Uh, I wanted to share with you her story of the final ceremony at the Bürgeramt in Neukölln. I, it was at the um, town hall of Neukölln um, and I just got on the U-Bahn and went there. I didn't think that I could bring people with me. Um, I just thought, oh, you know, the final bit of paperwork. And it was, it was midweek, I needed to take time off work to do it. So I was actually a little bit annoyed going there. There were, there were 50 people and we were from 22 different nations, um, uh, you know, from Britain, Italy, France, other European Union nations to Syria, Turkey, the US, Korea, Japan, all over the place. It was actually quite a big deal. Uh, they, they put on a, you know, a pretty good sort of party for us in, in some respects. Um, they had a, a, a pianist and a cellist who played the uh, national anthems of every single uh, person or every single nation that, that was represented there uh, that day. Hearing other national anthems and then seeing people's reactions and I realised you, my story compared to other people's stories, you know, that what it means for them to become a German citizen, somebody from Syria, other people who've fled, you know, people who've fled persecution, um, actually quite how meaningful it, it, it was. And it actually really moved me, um, still moves me to this day thinking about it. When it came to God Save the Queen, I think there was one other British person there. I, I've... <laughs> National anthems, I think, are a, are a difficult subject anyway, but I, I, I guess I felt a little a little bashful. I, I wasn't and, and ashamed, I think, because of Brexit uh, upon hearing it. But um, after we had pledged our allegiance to the uh, Constitution and essentially promised that we wouldn't break the law, um, we uh, and we would do everything in our in our powers to protect the Constitution. That's in the pledge. Um, they then, after having played twenty-two other national anthems, they then played the German national anthem. At, at which point, we all had to get up and sing. And I think I've only ever sung the God Save the Queen once in my life. Um, and uh, this is the first time I've sung the German national anthem. And, and again, I, I, there was a slight feeling of unease because I don't really like big displays of patriotism. Um, but after they played the German national anthem, they played the European anthem, Beethoven's Ode to Joy. You know, by that point, I was you know floods of tears, and uh, because that for me, 
in addition to getting the right to vote in the country that I live and work in, um, it was about retaining my European citizenship. So it really dawned on me at that point uh, quite how significant and, 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 and to a certain extent how poignant it, it was. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, tell me, what, what what happened? Yeah, it was all right. So it kind of happened um, so what, was a couple of weeks ago. I got my uh, my letter through the through the post, and on the envelope it kind of says, you know, this is from the Staatsangehörigkeit. Um, so no, my heart's in, in my mouth, and I'm thinking, uh, what's it gonna what's it gonna be? I open up the letter and. Oh, they just wanted to have some more financial inf information from me. I was like, oh, that's boring. And then two weeks later, another letter arrived and they said, ah, now we can actually confirm that you have now got, got citizenship. So <laughs> got two letters in very quick succession. Uh, one was very procedural and then the, the second one was actually the good news. Even though Brexit is not the end of the world, it has made a big impact on Brits abroad. I think a lot of the Brits have to take like a, a double take on their future. Where are you going to build that future? Where are you going to study? Where are you going to work? Are you going to actually settle down properly and start a family, for example? And of course, I think it's also a big wake-up call for the EU. A chance to reconsider what its core values are and of course to promote the benefits of being a citizen of the European Union. Now, it was great to see David Sumner succeed in his application or seeing a level of British compatriotism rise here in Berlin, as Daniel mentioned. The, the irony is that, in a way, the Brexit um, vote brought British people on the continent together for the first time in a way that they've never been organized before. People from the world, thank you so much for listening. This was such a fun episode to make. Uh, it took forever, but uh, about a year and a half later, I'm really happy with the result and I hope you are too. That's it for now. I'm working on some other stories too, for which I'm really excited to share it with you guys. I want to, of course, thank David Sumner, Georgia Ryungu, Ryan Balmer, Daniel Tatlow, John Worth, Johnny Whitlam, Zoe Noble, James Glazebrook, Bruce, Jane Golding, and Esme Nicholson, music by L.Y. Felidis, Mark Schilders, and Svetnik. More info on all of this in the show notes and also have a look on the new website. This was Berlinology. Much peace, much love. Walrus out. What, what, what will you think, um, how will you look back upon this period in about 10 years' time? I hope we'll have a good laugh um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, reminisce about uh, how stressful it was, but how we, we are now German citizens enjoying our life in our new country.